listeners. Um, I'm your host again, Joe Edwards, and we're speaking again with Mark Stemmer, who is the founder of financial services firm Hampstead Wealth. Today we're talking about intergenerational financial planning. So Mark, what is it? Can you explain to our listeners at home exactly what intergenerational financial planning means exactly? Sure. In simplest terms, intergenerational financial planning is the planning of passing wealth down from one generation to the next. And why is that so important to plan for? Two reasons stick out in particular. You'd have heard the, the popular and very much overused proverb that in life only death and taxes are certain. That's exactly why intergenerational financial planning is so important. When wealth is inherited, there may be inheritance tax to pay on the parts which exceeds the inheritance tax allowance threshold. Uh, I'll explain more of that later on. Um, But to put it bluntly, there are certain things we can do in life to minimise the amount of tax we have to pay or our estate, our beneficiaries have to pay uh, in death or when, when we are no longer here. And the second reason is once you're gone, you're no longer able to control what happens to your business, your money or your possessions. Planning ahead, we can ensure that your money is being spent wisely, your family are well looked after, your business continues to thrive. Okay, I've got that. So what's the major difference then between intergenerational financial planning and just plain old financial planning? Intergeneration, with intergenerational financial planning, we're working with the whole of the family, identifying specific problems, specific barriers, generating tax-efficient and achievable solutions. Parents, as an example, will be looking towards a long and relaxing retirement. That means we need to emphasise pensions and succession planning in in, in our overall plans. The kids, on the other hand, priorities may change. Most parents will want to put help their children get on the housing ladder, help them save into a pension. So we need to possibly look at that first. Okay then, so let's start with the parents. What should they be planning for? Uh, the most obvious event, as we mentioned a moment ago, is their retirement. When planning pensions and retirement income, we like to identify two key factors. How much income is, is required? how long is it needed for using these two numbers we can aim for an achievable target we we have to obviously uh, account or factor in inflation uh, lifestyle health and there's always the unexpected but that's all included uh, in our financial in our final calculations the next thing we would advise parents on is inheritance tax okay well let's talk about tax so what should our listeners know about inheritance tax there's, no, there's normally no inheritance tax to pay if the value of, the, uh, of one's estate is below £325,000. That's known as the nil rate band, where you pay tax at nil percent. There's no tax. Um, or possibly if everything is left to a spouse or, or civil partner or potentially a charity. The government recently gave everyone, or they've increased to currently, uh, an additional £150,000 uh, residence nil rate band. It's it's an, another benefit, uh, another relief that the government have uh, allowed us, and this can be used on top of the existing threshold to pass down more or possibly the entirety of your main home to your children, completely tax free. Um, there are conditions that apply to that. So again, I think it's it's important that you need to seek advice. So, but don't forget. If someone's married or in a civil partnership and their estate is worth less than the threshold, 
any unused threshold can then be added to their partners uh, when they subsequently die. This means that the allowance can put, be as much as 950,000 at today's rates. Okay, so if we know for certain that our inheritance is going to exceed that threshold, what can we do about it? During our lifetime, we are all welcome to make gifts to friends and family. The usual limit for this is £3,000 a year. There are exceptions out of this for wedding gifts, etc. But we're going to stick to the £3,000 for now. Now, if we gift cash or an asset worth more than 3000 in any given year, there will be inheritance tax to pay um, unless the, the donor survives seven years after it was gifted. Okay, so let's use that as an example there. So what happens if I make a gift of £10,000 to my grandchild but die unexpectedly just four years later? Well, because you didn't live past the, or you didn't make the seven-year mark, there will be inheritance tax to pay by your estate. However, your the, the estates, the beneficiary, are not subject to the full 40%. This is because gifts are taxed on what we call a tapered basis. So, for example, at four to five years, a reduced rate of 24% is due. Uh, again, you can find out more about this or the exact amounts um, on the official government website. Okay, thanks, Mark. So, should we know about anything else? Definitely. Um, we've considered gifts, so we can now move on to possibly to talk about um, using trusts. Trusts are, are, are a complex option, but when used correctly, can help you control how your estate is, is used or how your estate is distributed. Trust, trusts are mainly used to control and protect family assets, especially if the person benefiting from the trust is, is either too young or is inca incapacitated or is simply poor at managing their own money. Trusts are also taxed differently to um, usual inheritance tax or the rest of one's estate, which means we can use them potentially to reduce the underlying or the final tax bill. Um, let's look at an example. If you have a young daughter and you'd like to help her buy her first home, a trust can be created in which you can deposit, for example, £20,000. You can then stipulate that the contents of those trusts can only be used towards the purchase of a property or after your daughter, for example, depending on the trust, after your daughter turns 25. The rules are, theirs, uh, are, are yours to make, uh, or the selection, should I say, of the trust is for you to, to make. But remember, once the cash or once the possessions are placed into a trust, you no longer own them. You are no longer the legal owner of them. Uh, now, Mark, can you tell us why it's important to include the family business in our intergenerational financial planning? Uh, planning what to do with our business after you die is what's known as succession planning. When we're working with business owners who have a passion for their business, want to see it survive long after they've gone, it's up to people like us to secure their legacy. On the other hand, some business owners may know that their family want nothing to do with the company after they've gone, in which case maximising the purchase price of the company might, be, might very well be the best option. Both, both options, of course, attract tax, which means proper planning uh, will potentially save money. What should we be advising our business owners to do? Uh, unfortunately, no one magic tip or piece of advice will help your businesses thrive after you've gone. Succession planning, rather, involves multiple moving parts orchestrated by you well in advance of you uh, passing. 
This includes choosing new management, deciding who will take the ultimate ownership of your business, uh, looking at the possible tax implications, making your plans known in a watertight will, and if, ex- if um, exiting early, how you're going to take your pension. And you've got to remember that when passing down a business, you may qualify for either 50 or 100% inheritance tax uh, relief. This is known as business relief or more precisely business property relief. The rules around this are fairly complicated. So again, it seeks, it pays to seek advice. Okay, so that's all well and good if you want to pass the business down intact. What about if you want to sell up and get out? Selling up, also a valid option. If you feel that the business has a value, but not in the hands of your family, a sell should certainly be considered. So what thoughts do we need to put into selling a business? Well, first of all, uh, we may look at selling the business internally, perhaps through a management or employee buyout arrangement. If this isn't suitable, we can sell the business on the open market. Most importantly, is the preparation for sale. You want your business to look at its best and be operating at maximum efficiency to realize its its true, its full value. This is why selling a business takes time and and, uh, planning. There, There is a lot to do. And remember, when disposing of a company, you're entitled to what's known as entrepreneur's relief. This reduces the normal rate of capital gains tax to just 10%. This can be used to claim up to £10 million of relief during your lifetime, providing certain conditions are met. Okay, thanks Mark. Well, that's all we've got time for on this week's pod. Um, If you have any questions about today's topic, please do get in touch with the experts at Hampstead Wealth. We've dropped all the contact details into our episode notes. And finally, thank you to our listeners for joining us. Um, We hope that you found that useful. Good luck with your investing.